Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and joining me, as always, is Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, let's try that one more time, man. We got we got a game this weekend. Uh, let's maybe pretend that the first one didn't happen, and and let's just say uh, take number two. What do you say? How you doing, Ovi? Yeah, I'm doing good, my brother. Uh, take two works. Let, let's definitely go on a a take two. Use the MIB reset flashlight. Let's you know have a little bit of amnesia and and try it again. It was embarrassing. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. That was horrific. That was hor- for people to and uh, people have been talking about this <laughs> since the last game. Like, I risk getting COVID for this. Like, you know, I put myself <laughs> in a situation to where I'm in a super spreader potential event, even vaccinated for this. Oh, no. Everybody that and somebody caught COVID, unfortunately, that day. But everyone who caught COVID that day is probably, you know, rethinking their life choices because that wasn't worth anything. It was a waste of money, a waste of time, a waste of emotion because it fell flat for a city that was looking for some big things that never actually uh, happened. Yeah, and the I mean the stadium actually looked pretty full uh, yeah, on television. They were I mean, yeah, it it looked like uh, people were excited to be back. Who wouldn't be? You know, after all of last year, everything everybody dealt with. You know, new coach, kind of season to change. You draft Kyle Pitts. Everything was there for the Falcons to really kind of recapture some momentum that has really slowly been salted away over the last three, four years to the point where it it's really low. I think a lot of people's trust was broken with this franchise, and I think that this was a golden opportunity to really reignite or, or jumpstart um, people's excitement again in this organization. They've got a you know another chance, I guess, if you want to call it that, this weekend against Tampa Bay, the, <laughs> the reigning Super Bowl champions. It's a much harder yeah. uh, task because you know not only is it Tampa – but it's on the road. So, you know, there's that. Probably another uh, loud, fully packed stadium, just not in your favor. So Ovi and I are going to break down all of that. We'll touch on a little bit of, of the week one action because, you know, how can we not? We only have one game of sample size. So, of course, we got to go back to that. But we try to, we won't harp on it too, too much because we did that a lot, um, you know, on Sunday night, Monday's podcast. So, you know, that's that. But we'll get into all of that in just a second. First, a quick ad break. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the new season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means that if you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, and you lose, 
your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Exciting news! Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. All right, Ovi, uh, so if... The Eagles beat the Falcons 32 to six right off the jump. What's the final score? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do um, that to me. Let's ease into it. <laughs> so definitely uh, a very different week one for both teams. Tampa Bay opening up the NFL season, hosting the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator. Now, Keanu Neal on that team, Demonte Casey on that team. Cowboys lose on the road 29-31 in what was a really interesting game because it featured almost no running. And the quarterbacks, really it was a quarterback duel that featured some turnovers for each defense but came right down to the wire. Tampa Bay did what Tom Brady always does, and that is come back, that final drive, win the game. We don't really have to go into much detail about how the Eagles-Falcons game went down because we already no. did that on Sunday, and we don't. Everybody knows thirty-two to six did not look anything as thrilling as what Dallas and Tampa Bay looked like. So, just after one week of watching these two teams, what are your opening thoughts on this matchup? Is it as bad realistically as it looks on paper for Atlanta? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's- it's as bad as this looks. Uh, one of the things that we always like to say, and I think Matt Ryan said it a couple of times in the interview, it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. Oh, yeah. But I'm sorry, Matthew. In this case, it's as bad as, as you or as the fans. Good, good media training, media though, Matt. It is. Yes. I mean, it's, it, he is uh, the Captain PC. We used to, I think we used to call him Captain PC sometimes because he's, he's a great PC quarterback. He, you won't see any controversy <laughs> or get any uh, soundbite from Matthew Ryan. Not going to happen. But uh, it's as bad as you as we thought it is. So for this Tampa Bay Bucks um, Falcons matchup, it's one where I say embrace it. I say fully embrace the suck that you <laughs> put on the field last week and say, you know what? All we can do from here is go up. All we can do, and it actually can't get worse, but it'll be very hard to get worse. But they have to have the mentality of us against the world. Going into their uh, home, no one thinks we're going to win. Literally, not one person. You guys, Vegas, no one thinks the Falcons are going to win, and they can use that for their advantage. They have nothing but, you know, uh, 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 you know, upside in this game because if they win, eh, it's great. It's a huge upset. If they lose, they're expected to lose. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't prepare my all-time ranking of top five uh, week two NFL matches in which the entire world is picking um, one team in the matchup and everybody is against the other team. But yeah, this is probably up there in that top five. Um, I mean, what can you like? T- Tampa Bay brings back everybody, virtually everybody. Look up any story on it. They won the Super Bowl in convincing fashion last year, even though it was kind of the getting the gang together for the first time montage that offseason. And yet even a COVID year, they still managed to make it happen. Now they bring everybody back. It looks like they picked up right where they started. The Falcons, meanwhile, looks like they didn't really pick up at all. (laughs) And (laughs) there are a lot of questions that we still have. Um, The offensive line doesn't look like it's if anything, it looks like it has regressed. Um, from last year and you lose Alex Mack that's part of it but not you know very disconcerting stuff there the defense was was fine you know they got off the field in spurts they they did some good things on third down but you know not enough to win a, a, a game in any meaningful kind of tight contest I think and so I guess my thoughts on this because of the way the Falcons played and because of who they're playing if I'm a coach or, you know, a player, I'm kind of thinking about this is about us way more than it's about Tampa. And sure, you can use that as a motivational factor and say, look who we're playing. We're playing the reigning Super Bowl champions. We're going to get tested every week. But this week is our chance to prove to anybody that we can knock out anyone. That's all well and good. You just got your asses kicked, though. And I really think that this is an opportunity for this team, Arthur Smith, to Get everybody refocused, reoriented, because it didn't go well at all for them. And this really just needs to be an opportunity for those guys to get back on the same page, to to not fall flat on their face, to not get the ball pulled out as they're trying to kick it away from Lucy. And yeah, you might lose this game because Tampa Bay is really freaking good and the reigning Super Bowl champion. But you need to go out there and at least put together a really respectable effort. And I think if they're able to put a respectable effort on paper on Sunday, then I will feel much better about this team, even if they end up losing this game. You're right. You're, it's not about winning in this. And usually that's something you say to peewee players. Uh, it's not about <laughs> whether you win or lose the game. It's about whether you try hard and do your best. Uh, usually don't hear that NFL game, but in this case where no one expects them to win, it's going to be very difficult for them to win. I just wanted them to show some competence. Like, show me you have a decent amount of football IQ and that we have the pieces in place to actually win other games down the road because yes it'd be nice to win this and yes both these teams you know are chasing the Saints when it comes to NFC South uh superiority because as good as the, the Bucks were last year correct me if I'm wrong the Saints won the NFC South last year right um no yes they did yep Tampa yeah, Bay crazy, got the wild huh? card. yep you know with, with with the Tampa Bay being Tampa Bay you would think that they won the Super Bowl. They, of course, won the NFC but, South. But they oh. really did coalesce late. You know, it was, yeah, they, they peaked at the right time, kind of like the 2016 Falcons. True, true. Absolutely. But so they're not coming into this thinking that this is a pushover. They are laser focused on winning the NFC South, winning the NFC, winning the, the whole darn league. And this <laughs> is a game where you want to see your offense, defense, and special teams play winning football. They may not win, but they want to play winning football. So I'm excited to see if we can put those basic pieces together because they look. And I, I can say this now. Back when I used to be on the uh, you know Falcon Sports Network, I couldn't say this, but they looked incompetent <laughs> at times. 
and oh, looking yeah. incompetent when you're getting paid millions of dollars, coaches and players, is not okay. Like Grady Jarrett and Cordero, you know, um, Cordero was one of the few high points, the flashes of uh, competency that has to be a lot more or a lot more spread out this game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think even like even before we get to the making plays on the field stuff, the, the snap has to even start without a penalty being committed. Uh, how many times did we see the Falcons shoot themselves in the foot with those pre-snap penalties, which Arthur Smith said were the, the stuff that keeps him up at night? Um, yeah. And that was a quote throughout the week, which it should. You know, I think everybody saw Mike Vrabel's quote about Julio, where basically he said, you know, that's that's the dumbest shit that he's ever seen where with, with Julio's <laughs> pre-snap it. penalties. And it's kind of like, you know, that that's what you're hoping to get in these these guys that are going to hold them accountable, even if it's a, their best player like Julio Jones. It's, you know, you take it a little bit easier, I think, on, on a rookie. But again, a lot of the language that Arthur Smith used throughout the week was, you know, we have to fix our problems. We have to be smart and find solutions. To me, that's the language of a coach, A, that's early in the year, so you're not trying to totally lose the locker room after one loss. You're not trying to overreact. You understand it's a process and that you're building for November, December, not October. But it also means to me that they don't necessarily still know what their identity is. And I, I don't think teams really do for a few weeks, but they need to start finding pieces of that identity on Sunday. And I think a lot of that needs to start up front with the offensive line. So, you know, Ovi, what are your thoughts on an offensive line that got absolutely run over at times by a good Eagles defensive front, but now they're facing, you know, a, a defense that was fourth in sacks last year instead of third in sacks. I know that's, you know, a little bit of a decrease, but you know, not really. <laughs> so what does the offensive line have to do um, to, to get back to even being average? On Sunday, um, soul searching. Uh, they they <laughs> have to go deep, deep within themselves and find that 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 piece of uh, that fire, that that spark, that reason why <laughs> they fell in love with football in the first place, and really pull from the the pride or the fact that they were slapped around and lost all sense of pride uh, to to go out there and put on a show. Just and I love love like I, I watched Rudy a thousand times. You know, remember <laughs> the Titans? Like you name any sappy football movie or any sports movie, I'm all about it because it's about the underdog. How much do we love it in March Madness when those Cinderella teams go out there and they take down the giant? It's not the same with uh, college football, but it's still so enjoyable to watch a team that no one gives a chance in hell to win a game. And they come out there like, forget them. It's us. It's us in this locker room. It's us in this huddle. It's us against the world. And that is powerful. Uh, you heard, you know, a cornered animal is the most dangerous animal. Or we're not in a corner yet. We're not like coach about to get fired. Teams gonna get blown up. We're not there. But we just got embarrassed. And we've been put in the corner to where we have to fight our way out of it. And the only way is to go balls to the wall and really just take your pride into effect and say, I'm pushing this all the way up. I'm going as hard as I can, you know, with by being smart as well and see what it looks like when I just take off all limiters and unleash um, everything I have against the defensive line of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, so that's the long-winded mentality I think this offensive line has to have if they want to even survive this. 
Well, uh, take a deep breath because I got another one coming your way. As as a uh, former qu- uh, player, I think you're well suited to maybe speak to this um, possibility. Let's say Arthur Smith rolls Jalen Mayfield back out there again with the starters, which I think he should do. He should. Does that to you speak more to a showing confidence in a young guy to say, look, you took your lumps last week. We're invested in you. We want to see how you learn from them. Here's another challenge. Or does that speak to the dire circumstances of the Falcons <laughs> talent on the offensive line? <laughs> That's such a great question. And I hate I'm giving you this weak ass answer of both. <laughs> you know, uh, I hate traveling with the fans. It, it just irritates me. When well, it's players the hand like, you're yeah, dealt and you got to play it, right? It, it is. But the actual answer is, is both because you cannot shelf a rookie that you picked uh, fairly high. Uh, high enough to where he should be able to start for you this season, maybe not the first game because he wasn't intended to, but he he should be able to start for you and be a competent blocker for you this season. You can't give up on him um, day one, game one, season one. You you can't give up on him. Uh, I don't care if it's a running back who fumbles, quarterback who throws interception, a DB who's out of place. It's football. You're going to make mistakes. And if there is a time where it's allowable, not allowable, well, it's forgivable for you you to make a mistake. It's your game one, season one, you know, first time out there. And so as much as no one in the Falcons fan spear wants to give him a pass and and give him uh, some forgiveness, we got to because he is human. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back. Now, if he cannot bounce back, and this becomes a perpetual, you know, disgrace uh, on his end, you got to get rid of him. You got to uh, replace him. Uh, yeah. But the Falcons don't have many options. He's already a backup who wasn't supposed to be starting. So when you go to a backup's backup, I, I know it's the next man up mentality, but you lose a lot when it comes to talent. And I don't care how much wants you have. If you don't have the talent, especially when it comes to those trenches, you will get devoured. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I, I really do think the game one was, it showed for all of the fun toys that the Falcons do have in a Kyle Pitts or a Calvin Ridley or a Deion Jones or an AJ Terrell, if we're looking at the other side of the ball, so much of this game comes down to the trenches. Can you get that one yard when you need it? Can you, you know, defend that one yard when you have to defend it, whether that be pass protection or run defense? It's it's all of that. And so I, I just think that the Falcons ultimately don't have enough in the trenches this year, which is why I'm a little bit lower on them. But it's every this year, every year. What year <laughs> can you go back to like, oh, we are stacked in defensive line. Oh, we are stacked in offensive line. We have so much depth, said no one ever about the Falcons trenches, offensive line. line. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of those uh mid mid 2010s decades to late 2010 like the the jonathan back Abraham's, in my day the, yeah actually, yeah exactly when i last remember we had you know i would actually wouldn't even say stacked but we had you some had depth. you had some scary we guys had some on depth. There. Like, yeah. our art i'll keep on name by name because this is one of the greatest offensive lines ever assembled from mud duck uh, uh you know to our right guard uh um Gosh darn it, I forgot Isaac his name. Tyson Claybo. Yeah. Harvey Dahl. That's it. Harvey, Harvey Dahl. Dahl yep. Blaylock. And then Sam Baker. Todd McClure. Yeah. That, yep. Those five and myself. Oh, I could take those guys to war <laughs> any day. Any day. And I played with a, a decent offensive line in Baltimore with uh, Edwin Mulatalo and having Jonathan Ogden on one side, left tackle, and Zeus, Orlando Brown, the late Orlando Brown on the right tackle. And uh, we had uh, Benny. I forget Benny Harmon, Benny something on, on the, for our right guard. 
And we, you know, I forget, I forget our um, center's name. He's an old, old dude. But, you know, we ran <laughs> the ball with Jamal Lewis and did well, really well. Yeah. So I, I played with some great offensive lines, the Falcons offensive line. And I'm, I hate when old guys come here like, back in my day, this. No, no, it's, it's remembered fondly. It, I can it, tell you that that offensive line. Me, but yep. at the same time, I have to be honest and say they don't have that dog in them that the offensive lines that I played with have. Like the back in the day, maybe just, we were just grimier. We were just nastier. We were just, you know, grittier and man, physical, savage, aggressive, yeah. mean. Like, uh, uh, that, that's the type of, uh, uh, aura that came with us. And the Falcons don't quite have that. And I see flashes of it every now and then, but that has to be just slathered from left tackle to right tackle. The whole yeah. body needs to be painted with that dog. And we got to find that, especially this week. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of that has to do with just the way the game's evolved. And once you've seen these these zone scheme play action types of offenses become in vogue a little bit, those rely on smaller, quicker guys. And they, the, frankly, the offenses can scheme ways to make life a lot easier on the offensive line. So they don't necessarily need that size or pure power where yeah. mobility could be used to their advantage. And so I think that you just see the way that the game's changed. And, you know, another such way that the game has has changed is at the quarterback position where now you're seeing more mobile quarterbacks than ever. The Falcons saw, you know, one of those in week one with Jalen Hurts, but it's also becoming much quicker of a passing game than ever before. And your guys are getting it out so much faster than they ever have. And Tom Brady falls on that end of the spectrum. So, you know, scholars debate whether Tom was born in the third century or the fourth century. It doesn't really matter at this point because he's (laughs) playing so well. Um, but but what does this defense yes. have to do after struggling to contain Jalen Hurts to, I'm not even going to say slow down Tom Brady, to not be at his mercy all night? <sighs> they need to do what the only teams who ever clipped Tom Brady's wings did, it, the New York Giants, which is to get to the quarterback and pressure. Sign Michael Strahan. You know, get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sign up Michael Strahan, you know, get... You know, OCU Minora, see if you can get uh, JPP, Jason Pierre Paul, you know, get all the, the nasty <laughs> the switch animals. Uniforms. That, yeah, switch, literally call them out of retirement and say, hey, <laughs> we'll put you in a Falcons uniform, keep the helmet on with a visor. They won't tell who you are, and we can uh, make something happen. No, I, I uh, who was it? Uh, Jacob Tuiati Mariner, Tuoti. Tuioti Mariner. Yep. Tuioti, yes. Um, he had the lone sack of the Falcons in the first sack in a long time. I was impressed because he ran uh, the hump and got around the corner yeah. and had that, that motor. And if he can sack. surprise people and do that again and maybe have Dante Fowler, you know, earn some of his paycheck and, and get a sack and we can get pressure on Brady, we have a chance. If we don't and we allow him to just uh, pick apart our defensive backs like Jalen uh, Hurst did, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, that's obviously what Tom Brady would like to do. <laughs> he was able to do that against Dallas um, very effectively. He threw for 379 yards, uh, four touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, he he has he can turn it over. We've seen kind of a few more games with multiple picks, I think, over the last couple of years which is understandable, obviously. But I'm really worried that Antonio Brown is going to oh, go, off. go completely off oh against gosh. this. Like, I, I think, you know, you can throw AJ at Mike Evans, try to do what you can do. Fabian Moreau can, is at least a veteran. Like, let's see what he can do against Chris Godwin. I mean, I think Isaiah Oliver against Antonio Brown is 
an absolute mismatch. And the Falcons saw him twice last year at the end of the season. And I think he combined for basically 200 yards and like three touchdowns in those two games. Um, so I'm starting him in my fantasy lineups this week. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before kind of get no, but before you go to that, you, you kind of just dismissed Mike Evans. Like I'm not worried about Mike <laughs> Evans. You should be worried about Mike Evans. No, like, I'm, I'm worried about everybody. Don't think you did him service because he's not happy that he wasn't involved in the game as much as possible. And there are some whispers in the uh, social media sphere that Mike Evans, uh, you know, threw a little hissy fit. I you know it's allegedly everything's allegedly uh, these days, but I'm sure he had a conversation with Tom Brady because before Antonio Brown came there, yeah, uh, you know, he only Mike had three three catches for 24 yards yeah. in week one. That's yep. not acceptable to Mike Evans. And if he forget Antonio Brown, we already know he's going to go off because he came back this year with a renewed something that uh, has allowed him to play like the top receiver in the NFL that he's been known to be. But Mike Evans is also a beast that can dunk on all of our DBs if he decides to show up to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm frankly not worried about the Bucs offense. I think they're going to get it uh, figured out. I think they're going to be able to feed everybody there. Um, Even if they didn't in, in week one, I'm much more worried about the Falcons offense because they are currently 26th in yards per game. They're 31st in passing yards per game. They're 31st in points per game. They're 30th in third down percentage. They're 31st in red zone percentage. And they're 30th in offensive DVOA. So ironically, the one thing that they're actually top half in the league in is rushing yards per game. So uh, what are the Falcons offense? uh, What do they need to do this weekend? I would like to see Kyle Pitts get involved. I would like to see Calvin Ridley have, you know, more catches than he did just on the first drive of the game. Um, in that one but what should they what should they should they throw it all out should they try to keep some of the running game stuff that worked and and just do things differently you know what are your thoughts on the offense well Willie you're talking to a running back and I'm going to tell you the most simplest basic thing ever run the damn ball uh they were doing it but they did that in the first couple but they stopped doing it that's the problem you can't establish a running game if you don't stick with it and he tried to the game got away from them, and I get it, but it was about 15 sixes within like one or two scores. I think they were a little it, too conservative at that point in the game, though. It was right. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, were, they yeah. were backed up on their goal line. It was near the two-minute warning, but like that's kind of when the game flipped was when the Eagles got the ball back and then and then came and scored. It's not conservative if it works. Like, you know, right, back when right. he was out there with the Tennessee Titans, they were able to run the ball yes. a lot and be run heavy because obviously they had a beast and those runs broke off for. 20, 30, 50 yard yep. chunks and, and, and they had penalties that set him back. So it wasn't just coaching decisions. So I, I get where you are on that. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that if we can keep ourselves ahead of the sticks, then it definitely gives a chance to, to establish the run. But uh, once we establish that, we got to get some play actions and, and involve the, you know, keystone of our offense, Mr. Kyle Pitts, <laughs> we have to involve him and he has to get open. He has to do his job as well. Cause we had a couple of uh, you know people breaking down film, and they showed how Kyle Pitts didn't get the separation that he used to get. I'm sure it was easier. Uh, <laughs> everyone said you know he was killing it seven on seven when uh, joint practices and training camp, and you know watching them out there against the Falcons defense, he was crushing it. Kyle Pitts, one handed catches, the wingspan. <laughs> when they put on the pads, William, it's a different story. It's a very different story when the pads go on. And things get a little more physical, which he's fine with muscling up, but it, it just makes those routes where you're so open and where you have so much separation become that much harder. 
He needs to work on his craft. Shoot, give Julio a call. Talk to uh, Calvin <laughs> Ridley. Uh, figure out how to yeah. get open to be that dominant force on our offense that he's supposed to be. Like we paid him like or picked him like. Well, I mean, frankly, uh, we can't rule out the fact that um, he's he's playing other defenses other than the Falcons as a reason why he's been struggling a little bit because historically speaking, um, the Falcons haven't really shut down many receivers, even rookie ones, as we saw in week one. Um, so, Ovi, I want you to channel that same kind of earnest uh, desire to invoke something in somebody, and I want you to give kind of uh, a locker room message to the team coming off of the most deflating possible week one loss. You know, you you were evil Knievel. You thought you were going to make it across the canyon. The motorcycle died on you 50 feet off the jump. The, the wings fell off and you died. That's what the Falcons did. Now they got to go to play the champs. So yeah. what are you saying to this team? So if it's just me as a senior leader, a veteran, and we're having one of these infamous team meetings where we kick the coaches. I always love them. Like, oh, some shit's going down. Because <laughs> uh, they'll either be Matt Ryan or back in the day it was John Abraham or, you know, sometimes even Julio did it uh, uh, in his career. Uh, coaches, get out. We're having a team meeting, players only. I come up to them and say, guys, guys, it's our time. That was embarrassing last week. We're much better than that. We owe the city. We owe ourselves better than that. We know we can play better. We know that it wasn't our best. And whether it's, you know, come back off a of COVID season or whatever excuse you're, you're bringing up, you know, throw that shit out the window. It's time to play football. This is a team where no one expects us to win. No one thinks that we have a chance. And I like that. I like that because it lets us go out there and play loose. Let's us go out there and be, be free. We can kind of just play football. The same football that we've been playing since, you know, peewee and middle school and high school is the same football we're going to go out there and play. We're good enough to win this game. And because the whole world's betting against us, we've got nothing to lose. So I, I keep it like that and just, you know, make it really just uh, uh, honest and from the heart because that's the truth. This is a game where last year against the Falcons, against the Bucks with a much worse, I think much worse, Falcons team, we competed with them. So why can't we compete this year? Because it's, it's, it's terrifying if you read the newspaper clippings because it's um, been bash the Falcon week and who can bash the Falcons harder and who can use uh, more colorful adjectives on just how bad that first game was. And as entertaining as it's been, you, you do want to see them at least play up to their potential. Yeah, and I mean, first off, sir, I am, I am continued to be blown away by your eloquence and ability to invoke emotion. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, <laughs> you have me ready to go out yeah, and block Vita like Vea. Yesterday. It was like just yesterday I was playing, oh, yeah. even though it was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I, I completely agree. And, and you're completely right. Is we saw, We've seen players on this team respond to situations like this before when they are the ultimate underdog. I mean, you mentioned... Tampa Bay, I would bring back the game right before that in Kansas City when they should have won that game. They had at least two or three winning moments kind of fall right through their fingers. But we have seen players on this team step up in big plays and moments when people frankly don't expect them to. Now, there are fewer of those players on this roster than there have ever been before since the last, you know, five, six, seven years. But you've got to create new players like that. 
You need to create new guys who are able to step up to the moment. We haven't seen AJ Terrell have to do that yet. We haven't seen Kyle Pitts have to do that, but they undoubtedly will if this team is going to become anything in two, three years, like so many people are hoping right now. If that's the goal, then that should be the mission this year is to see your future stars or the guys that you expect to be in that role make these small little impact plays. Julio's first touchdown in Indy, he followed that right up with another one where he ran 70 yards untouched on a slant. Score a second one. It's like, damn, they got something in this guy. Let's see some of that that. this season. Yep, I'm there. And let's see it on Sunday. Might as well against Super Bowl champs. So go out there, play with everything you've got. And I absolutely think your message is spot on, Ovi, because... Like I said, like they need to be focused more on themselves and not on Tampa. And this is uh, their moment to make a statement. No, I, I remember like my body would tingle a little bit. It's like that, <laughs> that nervous excitement when you're about to go into an enemy territory. And, you know, I, I remember being on the Ravens teams and on the Falcons teams and playing the Patriots, playing the Tom Brady Patriots during years where they were unstoppable, which is seemed like almost every year. And, you know, we were in a rough season. No one thought the Ravens or the Falcons were going to win. I remember just loving the the energy in there that my team was giving off. We lost most of those games, but the way we fought was was something that we couldn't be ashamed of. So the Falcons need to go back to the locker room and not be ashamed of, of how they fought, how they, you know, gave effort, their, you know, uh, desire and effort that they showed to finish finishing plays because what, what was it It was a one team and i remember was it, was it russell wilson somebody got mad because somebody gave up on a play like game one i think it was uh, uh russell wilson the seahawks but a defensive back kind of like stopped running he was chasing after a ball and it was a little bit in front of him there's not a huge chance he could have got there but you yeah. still wanted to see yeah. him try and dive and go Just after make the like, effort. what are you doing quitting on week one Right. What the hell are you doing quitting and going half-ass on week one? If you do that, then it's like, get him out of there. I don't want him on my team. Like, especially if I'm a vet, I'm near the end of my career, and I'm trying to win a damn Super Bowl, and I see some young guy or even one of my uh, old colleagues not taking it seriously, it's going to be a conversation that we have when we get back to the locker room because don't waste my time here. Yeah. I'm trying to win. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I think that that's – again, like goes to my point where you've got to instill this winning mentality in younger players that that is not to the standard at all. If Matt Ryan, like Matt Ryan should have let his frustration out on Jalen Mayfield. Oh, he cussed him out. I mean, I'm... Yeah, he, he, he didn't cuss him out, but he definitely let him know because yes. I've seen Matt do that. I've seen young Matt Ryan when uh, he was in his third, fourth, fifty when I was there, you know, cuss out. Uh, <laughs> poor, poor Sam Baker. Sam is a... Sam Baker <laughs> is... He gets riled up sometimes, but he's a very... Kind of uh, outside of his football you know, persona, mellow, mild mannered, all shucks type of guy. Uh, but Matt Ryan lit him up a couple times after he got sacked like twice in a row, and Sam missed the guy. What the fuck are you doing, Sam? I said, Oh, 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 wow, <laughs> this Matthew is angry. I said, God dang it, wow. Uh, so I know he's lighting up Jalen Mayfield in a, a way that's not going to break him because Arthur uh, Smith. Terry Fontenot, Matt Ryan, we all need Jalen Mayfield to play better. We need him to actually be a smidget of the monster that we drafted him to be. I'm more worried about him breaking Matt Ryan, man. He's getting up, yeah. looking right in Jalen Mayfield's yeah. eyes and saying, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. let him have it. Let him know. Yeah. 
Um, oh, you're right. You're right. Gotta be honest. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, that that should be the the locker room message. They need to just play with everything they've got, reach within. But let's let's transition from there and and let's kind of give our final thoughts on on Sunday's game. We've we've talked a lot about what scares us um, on Tampa Bay side, which is to say a lot. We've talked about you know kind of what the Falcons need to do to even get back to to neutral a little bit, but. Who needs to have a big game for Atlanta? This I'll let you take this in a couple different directions. You can say who needs to have a big game for them to win, or you mm-hmm. could say, you know, if if you're so inclined, I'll, I'm just going to take this off the board because it's too easy. But like Jalen Mayfield obviously yeah. needs to have yeah. a big game. So, yeah. so you could take it in in a number of different directions. But to you, who needs to have a big game? Well, for me, uh, I think that we need our Michael Turner wannabe, Mike Davis, to have a big game. We need him to okay. not just do what he did last game, but he needs to improve on that because, like I mentioned, you can stick with the run if it's more than just, you know, two, three yards in a cloud of dust. Every now and then we got to break a seven-yard. We have to have a 15-yard play. You know, you know, God forbid a 25-yard explosion will be fun. Like, why can't you take one to the house? Like, Michael Turner, with his short, stubby legs and his, you know, deceptive speed, was able to take runs to the house. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he outran DBs, but he did that. Mike Davis is in better shape <laughs> than my man, Michael Turner, and should be able to go yard on a couple of plays. Like, let's see that happen. Let's surprise people. Let's show, you know, the world why we brought you in here to replace uh, our dealings departed Todd Gurley because we need a run game, and Arthur Smith believes that you could be a piece of the puzzle. I think that's a great choice. I, I really do because I think, you know, it it kind of in a lot of ways stole Mike Davis's thunder that a lot of us came away from that first game talking about Corderell Patterson. And and oh, I yeah, know that right that's there. probably eating at him. And if he's a true if he's this is opportunity to be a true number one back for a team. And and you've got to come into week two saying, Nope, this is my backfield. I'm gonna assert myself yep. right now and establish that. Um so I think that's a great pick. There, frankly, there's so many people you could go with on offense. I mean, I could say Kyle Pitts. I could say Calvin Ridley. I could say Russell Gage, who I forgot even played for this team until the end of the fourth quarter when he caught like his first pass or was targeted yep. for the second time. Um, so all of those things could apply. But for the Falcons, I think they actually have a chance in this game. I'm going to do a combo of Deion Jones and Foye Luicon because I think that those oh, guys yeah. are going to be tasked with the tight end. And I think the Falcons are going to do everything they can scheme-wise to try to stop the receivers who I just mentioned earlier. But I think that they'll trust their linebackers to go one-on-one against the likes of O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, and Rob Gronkowski, which is as good a trio of tight ends as you will find anywhere in the league. And yeah. again, if, if Atlanta's its best chance to win this game is for whoever is on the tight end at any given time between Dion and Foye, because it will be one of those two if it's not a safety, yep. you got to shut them down. Don't let them, get, don't let them get catches. Don't let them break tackles. Don't let them get touches in the red zone. Shut them down. You know, and outside of uh, Grady Jarrett, uh, I'm a fanboy of uh, Foye Luicon. Yeah. I, I love the way they play. I mean, that game last year, when, uh, or was it last year, two years ago, when Foye had like three onside kicks yep. and he recovered them all in a row. I'm like, what is going was, on? Like, this man two, is amazing. It was two years and, ago against the Saints. I was in the oh, press box. You're not allowed to cheer in the press box. That's the only time I ever broke that rule. That and the I, I uh, Julio, Julio screen for a touchdown against the Eagles week two of 2019. Oh, uh, monster plays. But you know the type of just moxie chutzpah like the zonga <laughs> that you have to have 
to go out there on an onside kick and just sacrifice your body and go all out like it's it's millimeters, it's se- milliseconds. Yeah. Uh, as far as getting it, and not getting it, he did the impossible three times in a row. Like that's the type of guy who is a dog's dog. Young Wei Ku needs a tattoo of Foyer's face on his <laughs> bicep. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So you know the fact that we have those guys to take up the challenge. I feel good that if anyone's going to raise their level of play, because. You see people do that. Again, I, I love referring to March Madness. You see teams raise their level of play to meet the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way that some of these small, tiny uh, uh, basketball teams should be playing with Kentucky and playing with Duke and even surviving. But they do because when you meet that 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 mountain, when you meet that challenge, it's something about you that will not allow you to say, he's better than me. I can't do that. I'm less than. I yeah. want to, 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 you know, play out there uh, I'm, or I'm as good as they are is what you tell yourselves. And I think Foyer and Dion are already good as hell players, but will raise their game, especially since the defense needs it to lock those guys down or at least keep them from going off. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, yeah, I've been a huge fan of both of those guys um, throughout their entire career. Honestly, I mean, I remember writing about Foyer once he got an opportunity as a rookie sixth, sixth round uh, draft pick. Out of Yale, sixth round. Sixth I know he was round. That, that sixth low. round. He played. Uh, he played safety out of Yale, and um, he, I, yeah, he got he got the opportunity when Dion got hurt. His rookie year, stepped in, played really well. Um, so Foye's earned everything everything that he's gotten. So has has Dion. But we know they're not going to be scared of anybody in this matchup. Um, but who should the Falcons writ large as a team? be afraid of if if you're in the in the coaching room on Tuesday when they're making up their their game plan I mean who are you begging coach Smith to say please just focus on this guy because our our guys can't hold up against him well I am terrified I I, I am terrified of what's going to happen when Vitavea Vitavea you know <laughs> goes up against Jalen Mayfield or, or any of our guards offensive linemen and gets a running start and just Plows all like 800 pounds of his body into them. I think the whole league was on notice when he went and just molested the center of the Cowboys and dropped him six yards back in Tom Brady's lap. Like that was shown in like there's memes about it already, just about how ferocious that man is. There is no one person blocking him having a chance that you got to double team him or you got to. I, I think you can't cut anymore. I don't know if that's legal, but if that was legal, I'd go for his knees every time and just take him down because it is almost impossible to think that if we had trouble with the Eagles, we're going to be able to block him. So that's something that is probably keeping the offensive coordinator, the the offensive line coach, the head coach, our, our fans up late at night because it's definitely keeping me up late at night. I uh, just, I mean, everything you just said is absolutely correct, but I, I'm too caught off guard by this to to give you a, such a good response. But I think this in and of itself is a great response. I just Googled Vita Vea name because I was going to try to, Vita to me reminds me of oh, Life. I saw that. Yeah, and I, I saw was, that. Yeah, and I was going to be like, all right, we should nickname him like Life Taker or something like that. But I Googled <laughs> Vita Vea and I'm going to yeah. embarrass myself for the sake of this podcast. His full name would be the entire Scrabble board worth of points um, because it is Tuliaki Ono Tui Pulotu Mosesi Vahe Vehoko Faleteu Vea. 
I yeah. totally butchered that, but you got my gist. It is really long. So Vita Vea, I'm already a fan, man. Uh, I was already a fan of your game, but I'm a bigger fan because I you are one of the shortest names now in the league as opposed to one of the longest. But I absolutely agree with everything you had to say. I mean, he he's keeping me up at night and I don't even have to play him on Sunday. He's so yeah, good. Not, um, it says he's 347. I, I don't believe it. He, he moves like he's 400. so well. Dancing bear. A, he a moves dancing bear at 347. So well. He would drown a drink so, of water, yeah, man. Um, the, the, the love fest that, that we have for, or the respect fest that we have for Vita Vea is going to be, unfortunately, probably one of the biggest tests the Falcons are going to have. And I can't wait to see how we handle it because um, you have no choice. You have a $100 million quarterback that you have to protect. And I, yep. God bless Matt Ryan that he's been able to stay healthy through year after year of having subpar offensive lines. This is going to be one where he might have to take out those running shoes and, and get a little bit more mobile because if he stays in that pocket, it's going to collapse at the front where Vita Vea is uh, the, the tip of that spear. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think uh, any, any aging quarterback, Tom Brady included, they want to step up in the pocket. If you can disrupt the pocket from the, the front to the back, uh, that is a quarterback's worst nightmare because they're not able to escape the outside pressure, step up to, into the nice confines, and really kind of throw on rhythm and, and step into their throw. Vita Vea is going to absolutely wreck the interior of that offensive line, we think. Uh, we don't hope, but um, I completely agree. I mean, kind of number two on my list is Antonio Brown, just because I, I think that he and yeah. Tom Brady are really getting into a rhythm and it's only week two. Um, but I, I think that he is like, if I had money on an offensive player of the year, I would maybe look at him right now. I think he's going to have a massive, massive year, and I think that's going to continue in week two against Atlanta. Um, so is there any path to victory for the Falcons in this game? Yeah, yeah, there's always a path to victory, and it starts with a T, uh, turnovers. Um, I've seen upsets happen in the football sphere because wild and wacky things occur where the defense punches out a ball and they can you know, return it, we get a safety for some silly reason because they fumble it. Uh, an interception gets taken to the house. I've seen all types of things occur with teams. I've been on teams like where we're 13 and three that year. We were with the Falcons, I think 2010 or 11, one of those years. And we were balling and we lost to like some random team. We didn't even lose to the three best teams. We lost to some random teams because we just had some crazy turnovers occur. So when the turnover battle, you give yourself a chance. I don't care how good the team is, how outmatched you are. If you're able to get the ball in key situations and let them drop down the field, but they can't score, you have a chance to win. Yeah, I actually really, I like that answer a lot because I was on a radio show yesterday and was asked, you know, basically, is there any chance Atlanta wins this game? And and what would you do if you were trying to win this game? And I, I kind of told him, hey, it's only week two. I, I don't think that it's even fair to look at this from kind of like a schematic standpoint because we just don't know enough about any of these teams yet. And the teams don't really know enough about each other either to approach a game from that standpoint. You're not trying to out scheme a team so much unless you really think there's glaring mismatches, but you're more kind of coming in trying to say, hey, let's establish what we want to do. Let's establish the type of ball that we want to play and let's go take it to them. And that's kind of the type of game that you play for much of the first half of the season. And then it becomes maybe a little bit more about mismatches, setting up schematic things. You know, how do we really match up again this against this team? 
So my answer to them to kind of really was is that there's not so much like a schematic advantage or approach that I would have in this game. I would just try to play as disciplined and within myself and my team as possible. And that's what my message would be to every player is don't try to do the extra play. Make the play. Make Do your job. If you are supposed to make this block, don't try to make this block and his block. Make your block. Trust him to make his block. We need no pre-snap penalties. We need clean football, no turnovers. We need to stay ahead of the chains. And just by putting together and stacking those little positives, that's how I think you go about chopping down the, the tree that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's how you beat really good teams is just avoiding. You don't shoot yourself in the foot, whether it be with penalty or with just boneheaded play. And you make the small incremental gains. You're not trying to take all of those big shots or, or really try to beat them with one, two or three plays. You, it's death by a thousand cuts and you just never make a mistake is, is how I would really think about approaching a win against a team this good because there really just aren't that many weaknesses to exploit. No, no, I mean, it makes sense. It's a situation to where you definitely don't have a chance if you shoot yourself in the foot and, and you put yourself uh, behind the sticks. You have to play a, a darn near perfect game to uh, be competitive. And uh, I hate that that's where we're at, but it, it's where we're at. Well, it's it's where you're at based on the opponent, really, more than anything, I think. Yes, like they had such a bad game in week one. But I, I think like even if, if they were playing, you know, Detroit this week, I don't think we're sitting here being as, as doom and gloom. It's just because they're playing probably the best team in the NFL. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, that's where it is. But let's uh, all right. So let's end it here. Final prediction, Ovi. What do you got? Final prediction, I'm saying it's going to be 28 to 7 uh, bucks. Is that 28 to 7? 28 points bucks, 7 points Falcons. All right. I've got, uh, whoo, damn. Still low. Actually, still low. I'll get I'll, 10. Let's do 10 because Matt Ryan's going to get at least one touchdown because they're probably harping on no more field goals, one touchdown. He's going to get one touchdown and then they're going to get field goal range one time. But it's going to be a very, very rough game, unfortunately. All right, 28 to 10. I've got 34-24. Where I think right. I think the offense I think the offense finds a little bit more to work with. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and lie and say there's not maybe one uh kind of garbage time touchdown thrown in there. So, you know, maybe this game's a, a 34-17 game, 3 minutes left in the fourth quarter and and Mike Davis gets a 4-yard touchdown run. Uh, I'm not saying that won't happen, but yeah, 34-24 I think sounds right and it's still double-digit point loss. So um, before we get out of here, as always, we want to kind of do something a little bit different. Ovi, I, I love your idea, what you brought up. Um, you've been watching What If. I've been watching What If. Uh, really, it's actually one of my favorite, I think. I think it is my favorite of the Marvel TV series so far. I think it's really been creative and out there and done a lot of different things. For those who don't know what it is, Ovi, do you want to explain a little bit about what the premise of What If is? Absolutely. Uh, I am a 41-year-old child when it comes to uh, <laughs> watching TV and anime That's and why we like each other. Uh, video games and just uh, I like good fun. Like I'm you know, excited to watch the, the new He-Man, even watch the new Shiro with my kids. Like I, I just love good content and Marvel, the whole universe. Like I'm a, I'm a fanboy, so I know all the, the storylines. But the what if turns all the storylines on their head. So they have, uh, you know, like the... Uh, title says what if this happened what if that happened 
Uh, they had a what if zombies, uh, uh, you know, took over the the earth type of issues and the Avengers were zombies. But um, it gives you a perspective or different perspectives on what could have happened. And the what if that I think uh, we could talk about that I think thought it'd be a little fun was the what if question a lot of Falcons fans ask themselves. What if the Falcons won the Super Bowl? Not lose the Super Bowl 23, but what if they won the Super Bowl and we were Super Bowl champions and we had that forever on our banners, in our hearts, in our souls. Just how would everything have changed? First of all, we wouldn't have Arthur Smith because Dan yep. Quinn would yep. still be here. Yep. Arthur Blank did not want to get rid of Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov. If they won a Super Bowl, they guaranteed themselves another decade of whatever the heck they wanted to put out on the field. But um, I think if we won a Super Bowl, we would uh, never – we would probably fix the offensive defensive line problems because we have people, free agents, that are demanding to come here because it's already a great city. We have you know most of the major pieces. Just our trenches were never – uh, uh, intact. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, your what if uh, take on that. If the Falcons won the Super Bowl 2016, yeah, no, I I, I definitely think that um, Dan Quinn and Thomas are still here, and I think that weirdly it would have maybe impacted them in a slightly different way. Obviously, winning is a it means that you never had one of the most notorious letdowns in sports history. Um, you know, for as much of the talk from the, the team side of things about, you know, we're not focused on that. We're moving forward. And I, I really truly believe that that was what they were trying to do. Uh, you know, I think from a team perspective, I think from a coaching perspective, an organization perspective, they were intent on moving forward without focusing on that, but it was, un- it was unavoidable, but it was unavoidable. There was no way. They had psychiatric uh, courses and like grief right. counseling to, for the players on how they dealt with that yeah. because it was so painful that they probably had to really deal with the, the grief that they got. That um, definitely think they would have maybe moved on from some of the guys because I think they kept so many of the players because they helped them make them to the Super Bowl. I think if they get over that hump, they're a little bit more likely yeah. to maybe move on and Very cut ties true. with some of those guys instead of really clinging to them. But I love yeah. this what if premise. I want to continue to do it throughout the season. My what if for you pertaining to Sunday's game, what if the Falcons shut down Vita Vea? Ooh, that'd be so exciting. But no, if they shut down Vita Vea, that means Mike Davis had a big game. Because Vita Vea is not only going to make it hard for uh, our run game to stay consistent because I've been a running back and watched the Office line crumble where I can't even get to my linebacker because I'm trying to, you know, save the office lineman's butt and uh, keep either Matt Ryan or Michael yeah. Turner from getting their head knocked off. So if we're able to get Vita Vea under control, that means we had a great day, gave a great day running the football, and we had a great day passing because their defensive ends are monsters. But that pressure up the middle, like you mentioned, if you can't step up as a quarterback, it's going to make it a long day. So, no, I, we actually could win the game. Ooh, let's Vita do Vea it. All right. Let's see if that comes situation. to pass. But, you know, those are our what yeah. ifs for uh, for both history and uh, Sunday. Um, so today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. Uh, check out their website for all the latest odds and, and lines and everything like that. Uh, we will be back on recording Sunday night, 
You'll probably get it Monday afternoon um, with our reactions to Sunday's game and kind of the ramifications, what it means moving forward. Um, please, Ovi, good news, man. Our podcast trending upwards. You know, we may be moving into double A ball soon uh, as far as, you know, the podcast tiers are concerned. It was slowly it's creeping up. All Thank right. you to everybody. Yeah, uh, we're seeing some returns, uh, but Thank please follow uh, on Twitter. Ovi at Ovi Mahaley 34 me at Will McFadden. Um, Ovi, anything else you got for the people? Nah, man, I am uh, loving the opportunity to talk football. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you guys are listening to us uh, ramble over uh, all. <laughs> yeah, things, it's awesome. Thank you guys uh, for listening. And as always, take care. All right, we're out. Thanks, Ovi. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.